welcome to the Free Cities podcast. My name is Timothy Allen, and this is the official podcast of the Free Cities Foundation. Hello, and welcome to episode number 52 of the Free Cities podcast. Well, you know what this means don't you? We've been putting out a podcast every week for exactly one year now. So happy birthday to us. The Free Cities podcast is one years old today. It's hard to believe really. I've spoken to Free Cities adjacent people now for, if you include the unpublished episodes, more than 100 hours. That's more than four days of non-stop discussion about this stuff. Well, I suppose I should run off a few of my highlights from the last year. One of my favorite episodes, and the episode with the most listens across all our platforms, was episode number five from way back in late December of last year. That was a candid discussion I had with a Canadian couple, Tom and Emily who my family made friends with when we were living in El Salvador over the pandemic period. They were the so-called COVID refugees who left Canada looking for a freer life in Central America. I loved that conversation, very easygoing and authentic. And if you're interested, here's a little update on their family because obviously we're still good friends. They're still in El Salvador. They've obtained citizenship for their whole family and they bought a parcel of land in the hills above El Zonte where they're in the early stages of building a home. So good luck to them. Great people. Great story. Um, I also loved recording some of the early episodes we did in Prague. Episode 16 with Caroline King about leaving Sweden to homeschool her kids in the Czech Republic. And Max Hillebrand in episode 17, which was a four-hour conversation about Bitcoin. So I know that's not for everyone, but certainly a conversation that bent my mind out of shape a little, that's for sure. Then more recently in June, I spoke with a gentleman by the name of Thomas Walker Worth in Portugal about city planning and architecture. Loved that episode. Plus, Thomas was the first person to open my eyes to the subject of free cities in space. That was episode 31. Also, if you like that one, check out a similar vibe in episode 45 with Patrick Lamson Hall and Nuria Forquez, who were the couple who designed the plans for Ciudad Morazan. Then, of course, there are all three of Titus's episodes. That's 34, 36 and 50. Always a pleasure to speak with someone who has such a deep understanding of this movement. Then there was Daniel Prince's episode. That was number 46. Dan's a great friend. And I just love the zero judgment, zero expectations conversations we have. And finally, I suppose there's the episodes that I've recorded but not released yet. There's Joe Quirk, who's an excellent conversationalist, Christopher Bowment and Sven Lawrence from Sark, Vit Jedlichter, I can never say his name, Vit Jedlitka from Lieberland, 
and Massimo Mazzone from Morazan, to name but a few, along with today's guests, who I really enjoyed talking to, and that was Jeremy Kaufman. Now, Jeremy is a tech entrepreneur and well-known activist in the American libertarian movement, also deeply involved in the New Hampshire Free State Project, which is what I wanted to discuss with him in this conversation. Of course, he currently lives in New Hampshire and was the Libertarian nominee for the 2022 US Senate election there. In this episode, we discuss the Free State Project, of course, and the political landscape in general, along with Jeremy's takes on the Libertarian movement and how best to carve out a pathway to freedom in the future. There's also some chat about AI frontier spaces, collapsitarianism, I love discovering new words, I'll let you work that one out, Jeremy's opinion on the Free Cities movement, and I get the lowdown on why I should come and visit Porkfest, which is New Hampshire's epic libertarian freedom festival. Definitely going to that one in the future. Well, that's it. Before I leave you, though, I just want to say happy birthday to us once again. And a big thank you to all of you for popping over to listen every week. I do love doing this. And I feel very fortunate to get to meet all of these incredibly optimistic, inspirational human beings. Everyone here is striving to create real change in the world. And I'm 100% here for that. So I wish you all well, and I look forward to many shows to come. Now, it just leaves for me to say to you one more time, the 52nd time, in fact, please just sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Jeremy Kaufman. to the Free State Project, and I, I don't know a huge amount about it. So forgive me if I ask some relatively uh, simple questions. Funnily enough, though, there was a family. This is only well, during the pandemic. There was a local family where I live in Wales. I live in mid-Wales. And when, when the pandemic hit and everyone was locking people down and that kind of stuff, they sold their house and were planning on going to New Hampshire. But I just didn't know what New Hampshire State Project was at the time. I didn't even know they were libertarians. But if I get the gist of it, it was a plan to bring a bunch of libertarians to one particular place and then try and have a political impact in that place. Is that is that a fair way of, of looking at it? Yeah, that's a very fair way of looking at it. It was a recognition that libertarians, and of course libertarians themselves like to debate that term, and uh, our movement doesn't take the strongest stance on it, but I'd, I'd say it's someone who believes in strongly in private property and things being voluntary in terms of how, how we agree to things. And we say, hey, if you're a libertarian, you've got to look around. And, and it's not, you can call it a political worldview, but it's an ethical worldview too. It's, it's, uh, it says how we ought to be interacting with each other. And realistically and unfortunately, it's a minority belief. It's not a widespread belief. And... Our movement started by a guy named Jason Soren saying, hey, look, libertarians have been at this, and there are more libertarians in America than, than anywhere in the world, as far as I can tell, and we're still a minority there, a substantial one. And, and Jason Soren looked around and said, hey, everything we're doing isn't working. 
you know, let's not keep making the same mistake, right? That's the definition of insanity to do the same thing and expect a different result. And I think the free cities people here get that very well as well. I'm sure we'll come back to that. But so Jason said, but there's enough of us, right? There's millions of us um, in America and even more around the world. So what if we started to concentrate our forces? And that was the central idea. And today, uh, I believe there are more than 10,000 uh, free staters in New Hampshire. Uh, we have 40 of them in the legislature. Uh, we are um, widely regarded as the freest state in America by a substantial margin. I, now, it's not some libertarian utopia. We don't claim we're creating a libertarian utopia, but um, it, it is a place where libertarians are winning. And I think it's really the only place where libertarians uh, are winning. And so there are both benefits politically uh, of living in New Hampshire if you're uh, a libertarian. And there's a lot of sort of social and psychological benefits from um, you know, being sort of less alone and kind of being able to, it, and I'm not saying you're lonely. I wasn't a lonely guy in Philadelphia. I had plenty of friends before I moved to New Hampshire, but I didn't have a lot of people who really deeply shared my beliefs. Uh, and in New Hampshire, I found a lot of them. Okay. Then my, a couple of questions that just came to mind then. Um, one is, um, you, you uh, libertarians are a minority, as you say, um, there's a lot of people, and I think I might be one of those, that think that's always going to be the case, actually. And, and it's a funny movement because um, I've gone through a, f a bit of a process myself with regards to freedom and realizing that actually I, I used to want everyone to be free. And now I realize that there's only a few people that want to be free, actually, and you may as well just stick together with them. I don't know what you think about that is. The other question will be, how's it going politically? I, I, I did a bit of a search in your bio, and it turns out you were the... Um, you went for the U.S. Senate and lost in 2022, did you? I, like, has anyone won? Like, have any of the libertarians like politically made headway there? Well, the Free State Project itself, while it, it encourages people to run under you know run under any party, we don't. The, the, so let me this is let me actually explain this because this is going to come up throughout the show. You've got the Free State Project, which is this is uh, a, a formal 501c3 corporation. It effectively exists to market New Hampshire. It recruits um, libertarians to come to New Hampshire. It is not. Um, it is not the movement, right? The movement is uh, ten thousand people. They're not taking marching orders from the Free State Project. The Free State Project kind of pays attention to what Free Staters are doing, tries to talk about it, and tries to promote libertarians coming here. And then, um, while we'll introduce you to various other organizations or various other individuals, we're not trying to give give any kind of orders or commands or even suggestions inside the state we just exist to market and so there's sort of the movement and there's the project the project is just the marketing arm the movement is this cloudier thing that like any other movement who explicit you know, who explicitly controls the social justice movement or whatever you'll have prominent figures but there's not this explicit uh you know go down the hierarchy of, of who's in charge here you know um and so that's the way uh that's the way our movement works um and politically, we've had a ton of success, just not through the Libertarian Party and not really through the Democratic Party, although we have had a couple of, of free staters win as Democrats. But we've had, um, again, more than 40 win as uh, Republicans. We have our first state senator. We have the House Majority Leader. And we also have a nonprofit called the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance, which grades every uh, elected representative. And by their scores, we have around 100 uh, libertarians who are elected. And that doesn't include local office. If you tally up all the local office people, the control of local parties, you know, 
the, the mainstream press, the Democrats, the Republicans, everyone will tell you that free staters are one of the most substantial political factions inside of New Hampshire and were ascendant uh, as well, while they're full of, you know, 60-year-olds uh, who are, you know, uh, there's not a lot of youthful people coming into, say, the Democratic Party in New Hampshire. Um, and then you had another comment, I don't know if you want me to go back to it, about you know, whether how many people can become libertarians. And so I'm speaking as myself here, but I went through a journey that I think a lot of people do. You discover the ideas and you're like, these are so great. And, and if all I have to do is like explain them to people, right? Like, have you heard of markets? Like, you don't like poverty. I have the solution for you, you know? But it turns out that a lot of leftists aren't interested in free market solutions. So they purport to have these ethical values and you can come to them with libertarian solutions and say, look, these are really great ways to solve these problems. And yet they don't seem to like them. Um, and as I got wiser, I learned that a lot of times people's, uh, you know, sort of stated motives and stated beliefs aren't their real ones. Uh, and, uh, and so, you know, I, I consider myself a realistic libertarian and I would say that the majority of people aren't libertarian and won't be. However, the majority of li people also don't care. And that's why the majority of people will go Nazi or go socialist or go whatever. And so, you know, if you have enough of a density of people who do care, who are active, there's a lot of people who will just kind of, their, their psychology is, I want to go along to get along. And so part of the reason that our, our movement works without it being 100% libertarians is you only need, and there's, social scientists literally argue at what the density is. We're at around half, half percent, one percent. I don't think that's quite high enough. Um, but if we start hitting, you know, three, four, five percent, we really can become the dominant uh, ideology in a state if there's not um, a sufficiently strong countervailing force. One of the <clears throat> problems I see, if I look at myself, is that I want everyone to be happy and free and whatever. But it doesn't necessarily compel me to try and tell everyone that. It's, 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 a, it's a bit of a, uh, an anomaly in the political sphere because if, if, you know, if you're a hardline leftist, you really want everyone to do what they're told. If you're a hardline libertarian, it's like you kind of really want everyone to do what they want. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, yeah. it doesn't really work politically. You know? to totally. I mean, well, I've never wanted to force my beliefs on anyone. And if there were some even smaller, more realistic way of doing this, right? Like there, there is actually a part of me that feels a, a bit of mild guilt about, um, you know, coming into New Hampshire. But there are a ton of people who like us. I think that's very important as well. I mean, this is not, there are lots of sort of, you might call them natural libertarians in America. And there are air quotes around natural since this is a podcast. Uh, I, you know, I don't know what the right term for it would be, but like, you know, they're kind of, they haven't read a book. They couldn't tell you a libertarian philosopher. They're probably not the most consistent in their ideas, but they have this impulse towards just sort of letting people be and, um, you know, not stepping on, you know, each other's uh, toes. And they're not inc that inclined to, you know, sort of envy and sticking their nose in other people's business. And you'll, you'll find this, this sort of, there's a, you know, in, in, I actually think throughout New England and America, there's, there's a lot of that um, um, kind of person, but there's particularly a lot of them uh, in, in New Hampshire. And so there are a lot of people who um, are quite glad, you know, right? So it's kind of the, the left, the Democrats, the progressives, they, they, they try to make us public enemy number one, uh, but there's a huge libertarian network. And then there's all of these, um, you know, local, you know, you know natives and, and um, uh, largely Republican conservative types who are, who are quite happy to have, um, you know, another ally against, uh, you know, the left or, or whatever. I suppose it's the 
kind of frontier attitude of, of America in general. Is it? Is it? I mean, it, it's a obviously it was a political experiment to begin with, but um, it's founded on people running to another country to be left alone. I would imagine. Is that fair to say? Well, we get different types. Um, there's a lot of I, I see. You know, the frontier type I think is very common here at this at this conference, you know, the, the sort of European libertarian, the free cities oriented one, they want frontiers. They're frustrated. And I'm, I'm that way too. So I, I share that 100%. I'm so frustrated by the fact that it's uh, almost impossible to, to innovate in a number of ways. I'm not saying you can't, one can't innovate. Obviously innovation continues to happen, but there are a, a lot of really interesting areas where it's impossible uh, to innovate. And I see that as the government's fault. And so if we had frontier spaces, we could do some of these things again. But you get, in terms of inside of our movement, there's types like me. You get the sort of uh, collapsitarian, you know, doomer type. They're they're concerned about, uh, you know, a downturn, economic collapse. You know, um, they're they're oriented, um, you know, that way. We get, and you don't have to be all that way. You could just be a homesteader. You just want to be building a you know a life for yourself where you're kind of out of the government's eye. It's more private. Uh, you have land. You have space, and so. Uh, there's a you know there's a variety of 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 types that that are inside of our movement. It's a lot of people, and so in fact, in terms of people who are learning about it for the first time or or, or checking it out for the first time, a lot of it is kind of finding what your sort of you know sub sub group or sub click is. You know, we don't all know each other. There's there's so many different institutions and different groups that people can find out about and you know become a part of. So what's the what's the main advantage then of going to New Hampshire, if you if you're freedom minded, I mean, it, it, presumably the with ten thousand people, it, there is quite an impact. Yeah. So there's distant benefits and there's immediate benefits. And the immediate benefits are, yeah, you get this marginally better policy. So maybe you're paying you know several percentage less in taxes or your cost of living goes down or whatever. But I don't think you know a couple percentage, one way or another, is not going to um, make a big change in your life. You know. Um, whereas I think the biggest thing is the sort of social and psychological difference from having, you know, this real density of people that, that share, you know, share your values where, you know, my kids, um, are able to go to, um, you know, libertarian schools or there's, or homeschool or, or, you know, various homeschool and, and ad hoc classes where these are opportunities that I think if I had been in my sort of. Um, um, you know, sort of tech progressive previous social, you know, circle parents were much more neurotic. They were much more, you know, worried about kids getting, you know, hurt. Whereas here it's, uh, you know, there's much more of like, a, you know, like, let's go, let's let kids try things, you know, let's, um, let's, let's have respect for, you know, their, their abilities and trust their own judgments a lot of the time, uh, in terms of what they, you know, what feels, you know, safe to them. Obviously there are things you don't let them do regardless, but, 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 you know, little, I think, libertarians tend to be a bit more permissive in their, you know, parenting. And so things like this where, you know, going to the grocery store and just seeing a, you know, a bumper sticker in the car, maybe not even seeing someone in the store and knowing though that like, you know, there's a member of my tribe. Um, I think even again here at the conference, you see people, there's a, there's a sort of a joy or a relief in, in um, you being able to be around these people who who sort of share some of your values and, and and perspectives, and so I think that is 
it's not often like when people are doing the online research, they're like all about like, well, I'm calculating the tax policies and like looking at, at the, you know, I'm trying to find the best, uh, you know, property and all of these things. And I think these things matter. Um, and I'm not saying not to pay attention to them, but I think a lot of it is, is a sort of more difficult to quantify benefit from just being in, in that. And it's not one community because it's, again, it's so large. It's not one community, but, but like wherever you end up in the state, you'll end up in a libertarian community of some kind just because there's so many Hmm. well i mean it's a in the free cities world there are a number of kind of theories on how how best to sort of move forward and one of them is communities manifesting on an ideological grounds obviously and i i i kind of tend to agree and i think it's a in this day and age, it's 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 maybe a moment in history when when that kind of stuff is 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 going to flourish because of the internet. Essentially, I mean, you've got online communities all around the world starting to manifest in real life. In my case, I'm a Bitcoiner, and I've got hundreds of friends now living in El Salvador. You know, which which a year ago was one of the most dangerous countries in the world, and and you know, and because the government legalized Bitcoin, it made Bitcoin legal tender. Um, they're just moving there with their families, and and that's quite an impressive result. And um, I, I should imagine that if you track it forward enough into the future, that might these might be the new borders of of the world, if you will. They might maybe ideological. However, and before you start talking, uh, there are a lot of people that think ideological communities struggle to stay together, because when you look around the world, you don't often see that. You see, you see cities full of different types of people. And um, what do you think about that? Well, I think it's interesting. I think what we're going through is pretty new. For most of human history, there was always a frontier. So there was always a space where new people could push into. And, um, and there's certainly some sort of ideological conformity, um, not wholly among the kinds of people who are interested in that. They are different in some way, the kinds of people who, you know, rushed across, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, America hundreds of years ago or, or left Europe for America, right? These are selection effects. There's something different um, on average, about, you know, about the kinds of people who, who do this. And that drive, that impulse, I think that underlies all the examples that you were talking about that it's the same and 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 because they don't um because they don't exist in their former form we're now making them in in terms of subcultures and you know and various things and this is what i think i do think that this is what humans uh will do and maybe this would be part of why there's that the criticism of an ideological community i mean humans it's not it's just human nature to um, you know, to splinter into uh, subgroups. And then sometimes once we're in subgroups, boy, do we hate that other subgroup, you know, se- seemingly a lot more than the, the people who should be our real enemies, right? And so, um, you know, movements, you know, factionalizing and, uh, you know, fighting, fighting their own, um, uh, definitely something, you know, definitely something that, that happens. But hopefully you can have, you know, cultural norms or formal mechanisms, you know, to prevent that. And I think in terms of our own movement, <coughs> Um, we recognize, you know, the real enemy is the, you know, is the, the, the authoritarians or the people who, you know, are really trying to make the government as big and as forceful as possible. How's the size of government in New Hampshire going? Is it getting smaller by any chance? It is. It's the smallest. So it is. We've um, uh, eliminated 
the only remaining income tax on income and dividends. So there wasn't a, an income tax, but there's a tax on investment income uh, that was eliminated. Um, we implemented a school choice program that costs uh, one quarter of the money per student compared to the public schools for, for people who enroll in it. Uh, the, um, um, the taxes that do exist have continued to go down, um, and spending has gone down as well, adjusted, um, you know, adjusted for inflation. Uh, and so we're uh, basically the only state in the country that's cutting both taxes and spending. We're cutting red tape in, in other uh, areas, huge occupational licensing reform. I mean, we, what a collectivist I am. I did none of this. Let me be clear. <laughs> I did none of this. This is all the work of other people. They deserve all of the credit. Um, but isn't it great to use that word we though and act like you did some of it? I just get to I don't talk about it sometimes, but, uh, it's, 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 it's a lot of work from <clears throat> a lot of people. What about, uh, the actual bureaucratic size of the government? You know, number of people working there, number of because that's kind of like one of the one of the worst parts of, of this whole thing. I think is the, is, is the yeah, that's a good question. I actually I'm a I'm a bit of a stats collector for New Hampshire uh, things like that, and I don't I, I don't know that number off the top of my head, so I'll have to look that up later. I will say, and, and this is um, but this is both an anecdote, um, and there's actually some data to back this up from a, a website called Wallet Hub that researches this about like. The New Hampshire government, and I'm not, don't don't mistake me for like a. Uh, I would still like more, you know, private competition, but I use the the DMV. That that's where we get our licenses in America. I use the DMV in Philadelphia. And I use the DMV in New Hampshire, and New Hampshire was far more efficient, you know, far faster, you know. And so I have felt that while I'm still kind of getting government quality services, and could imagine private services doing a much better job. It does feel better than other places in America at the same time. Have any um, libertarian candidates got to the Senate? And, yeah. um, we have not. I think our most likely um, sort of um, free stater or, or allied uh, person would be uh, Lily Tang Williams, who's running in one of our congressional districts, and she almost won the primary um, last time, and she's running again in 2024 and if i were a betting person i'd probably bet on on her uh we also have a guy named bruce fenton who was a, a pretty serious candidate i know yeah yeah and uh i think you know i think he could he could potentially win a national seat you know one day if he if he kept at it um i did run my i ran under the libertarian party though which is it's a, it's a bit different right you kind of know you have you have realistic expectations about you know what you're doing there and so I did try to, you know, I did some memes and some videos that went, uh, some that went viral. Um, I've got to uh, talk yeah. about them. They're very funny. <laughs> it's, oh, tough, yeah. it's tough because you're describing jokes. It's like you get, and then this happened in the video, and it's like you're just describing it. No, I, I just, I just before we sat down here, I just pulled up your YouTube channel and just wrote down all the titles <laughs> of the videos. And I think you, um, you're, you're the kind of person that um, Jordan Peterson would call. Um, um, low in agreeableness. Let's I am. Say. I am. I'm openly low in agreeableness. <laughs> but look, we've got war is gay, and then the follow-up video: war is retarded, uh, abortion is good, abortion is bad, and the one I really laughed hard at was the Earth is dying, and you should feel bad. And <laughs> um, I mean, obviously, that doesn't make you many friends in on any apart from people who you're already on your team, I suppose. Like, what's the what's the kind of um, idea behind that well, kind of well i think there are a number of people who um do recognize they don't they're not going to understand libertarian philosophy but they can recognize the absurdity of politics right uh and re they can recognize how 
hypocritical and fake a lot of these people are, um, that they're liars, you know? And so the videos are definitely designed to, to kind of just, just resonate <laughs> with people. Yeah. Who, who, who kind of vibe in that way. Uh, Cause there's a lot more of those people, um, than, than you're going to, you know, and, and, and I also am a believer that whether something works or not, like, you know, if you're, if you've got one, one hundredth, the resources, or I mean, linguistic for one one hundredth, right? Uh, you can't you can't play the same game, right? You can't if you're if you're up against, um, you know, Goliath. You know, you can't go and wrestle him. You've you've got you've got to take a different tactic. Well, I mean, satire is the, the best yeah. way to deal. I mean, satire's always been the the first thing that gets banned in in authoritarian sort of like work, the the authoritarian regime, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Because it is yeah. the it, it really does work. I mean, they they have no sense of humor at that point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we our our movement uses satire a lot, and and also you know there's um this we've we've actually gotten away from this a bit as we've gotten more explicit power, but in the earlier days it was much more there was there was more like active protest because it, it, it at a minimum forces them to engage with you and you you know and that when you have very little going on attention at least attention gets you something you know yeah um can attract more people to your to your movement and your cause and it's a a, a lot of times it's 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 been interesting it really has been a movement that's gotten like more legitimate like it was it was fringier almost in the in the early days and i have a lot of i'm not i'm not trying to like use that negatively i have a lot of respect for the the people who came you know the earliest but now it's it's definitely we're getting, um, you know, some just some very serious very serious people with money who want to, you know, come and 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 be a part of the the team. Well, the funny thing about satire, of course, is as well is it's very difficult to tell. Yeah, from real life now, and that video that you did about the Earth is dying, the kind of absurdity of climate hysteria. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if you looked at it in a purely neutral way, what everything that's said is 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 roughly what is being said by the <laughs> by advocates for climate change, and and but when you package it up like that, it does look pretty absurd. And I love the cuts to words like bad and depressed and <laughs> things like that. It's very funny, but but I know like, I could show that to a number of my friends, and they'd be that would piss them off. They go, oh, this guy, what a need, fuck yeah. him, you know. So I don't know how much it's going to it's going to impact a, yeah. a lot of people. Well, know? part of it, and this is where I'm. I'm. Uh, many people call me a cynic. Of course, every cynic thinks they're a realist. Uh, you know, I, I look at so many of these political arguments, and they're just not real. They're not real. Like I, I think that the, the, the in fact the abortion is good and abortion is bad. Perhaps gets at that most directly because it's literally just like two you know yeah. two different extreme uh, um, um, takes on the on the thing. And it's like I watch people. I watch people argue about abortion. It's like, can you not tell that like neither of you, like no one has, it's, we have, we have these ethical beliefs and I don't believe that we logically derive them. I believe that they're, they're largely separate. I don't know exactly where they come from. I'm not smart enough to know the answers to these things, but I've seen people attempt to logically get people to change other people's ethical beliefs and it just never works. Our, our, so all of these logical, all this justification stuff is all, all on top of wherever those ethics are coming from. And so definitely part of both, I think, the free state, and I'm not trying to conflate them, this is all just me acting as an individual, but I think the free state movement is asking people to kind of be realistic about 
politics. And a lot of my stuff is kind of saying the same thing. And, and because it's po- part of what makes it absurd is this idea that like all this, you know, that this all this stuff is real that we're actually you know changing people's minds you know um and that, that this is what's happening like your, your friends who are you know any given person who be, who either believes or disbelieves in climate change the vast majority of people can't st- engage with the scientific evidence so how do any of these people have such a strong uh, uh opinion about it one way or another i don't know whether you saw it but there was a phenomenally um cutting to the bone video that just came out about um, Israel-Palestine. And it's a guy not knowing how to tweet about it. <laughs> I saw that? that. Yeah, he's really funny. And yeah. by the end of it, and this is the just the most perfect part of the meme, he, he says something along the lines, I'm starting to think that I'm the victim here. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and, you know, because, you know, if I vote, if I, if I say Palestine, I get all these people come on me. If I go Israel, I've got all this. And normally, we, you know, with Black Lives Matter, it's easy. It's just like the brown people. You just go on their team. And, you know, and it's like... It's, it is true. It, we, and I agree with you as well when you say in the political sphere, no one's saying anything, yeah. are they? They're just not saying anything. It's it all, doesn't right. make sense. It, it, you, you, you know, first of all, you know exactly what they're going to say. And secondly, it doesn't mean anything. And it, it's, it's, it's the way it was descri- George Orwell described it. It was just hollow words that mean nothing. And everyone's looking at the king and saying he's got no clothes, but they're not, but they're just thinking it, sorry. They're not even saying it. Well, most people aren't. And well, I think also, I I think a lot of people see the king as having clothes. Like, I I think that's part of it is that, and I know that I've come to recognize that that this is, whether you want to call it like high disagreeableness or, or whatever, like I am, I do not fall very prey to like, a group thing. I don't think I'm reflexively contrarian either. There, there are plenty of, and quite often I'm like, well, are, can either of you see see yourselves? Like, can you recognize what you're each doing? Like, I mean, climate change is a, a, you know, a great example of this. I actually don't have the the strongest opinion on this. I have a degree in physics too, so I'm smart enough to get through a lot of this stuff. And I'm, and I'm always like, how is everyone else here to have the strongest, such strong, such strong and and confident opinions? And as someone who th- who has opinions on how you derive the truth, I'm like, why isn't everyone calling for a betting market so we can see what people actually stand? Because obviously, when it comes to climate change, there's huge uh, uh, political you know money and incentive. And you look at you know uh, it, this is a great uh, to come back to something I talked about earlier about you going through this journey of feeling like the left is just. Uh, I mean, I don't think they're even conscious of the fact that they're lying, but their stated beliefs aren't what they want. They'll act very concerned about climate change, but how often is there an interest in, again, market-oriented solutions and these things that could plausibly solve the problem? It seems to me that a lot of what motivates the concern about climate, similar to what motivates a lot of left concerns, is more about um, this this egalitarian impulse or this envious impulse. You know, we need to chop down, we need to stop, you know, we need to not let development, we need to prevent change, we need to not let... um, 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 you know, just a sort of anti, almost like an anti-progress impulse because progress is differentiating and they're against things that, that differentiate. And so they want their own people to be put in charge to rein these people in. To be, that's why they want bureaucrats. They want bureaucrats to be superior to the people doing the work and doing the building because they're not, that kind of person is, is a, is a, they view that kind of person as a, as a threat, essentially, to them. And that's why, so, so they come up with all of these reasons about, oh, I want to help the poor, I want to help, uh, or the earth is going to die, or, or whatever. Uh, but I don't, I, you know, I've come to believe that very few of them are, are 
that that's that, that that's a sincere logical motivation and it's more of an emotional motivation that they came up with logical reasons to justify their political beliefs yeah or in my case i think it's i know better than you um and the 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 the, the sort of distrust of the free market proves that because in a, in the free market we'd know exactly what everyone thinks we'd know that if 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 everyone could make their own decision based on sort of individual impulses. We'd soon know whether people care about the environment. Because on the whole, it's a luxury belief, isn't it? The, the, the caring about the environment. I think when I was a kid, it was like, there's rubbish on the floor, that river's polluted. Uh, you know, it was, it, there were things that you could easily kind of wrap your head around. And now it's, there's this existential threat to humanity, which is I don't know, the rise of sea level or the, the rise in temperatures. And that's a really difficult, it's very hard to have an opinion on that because you can, on one side of the argument, we know people get really upset about existential threats because we've had millions of them over the years. And as far as I know, none of them actually came true. We never got hit by asteroids. We never burned to death. We never froze to death. We never. So I'm always inclined to go, look, can we just chill out a bit and just, you know, I, I don't think we're imminently about to die. I mean, it was in your video. I think in your video, we had three weeks to save the planet, didn't we? <laughs> and there were dead leaves on the floor. People were looking at the dead leaves in autumn saying, look, the leaves have fallen off the trees <laughs> and stuff. <you> know? <laughs> Isn't that the thing? It's this kind of alarmist attitude. And I know one day we're going to be wrong and everyone's going to go, see, I told you. But so far, it, alarmism has been a bad strategy, hasn't it? Yeah, I, I mean... I think it's true throughout human history. It's very we are, There's a lot of incentive to to construct some kind of uh, construct. You could even e even look at various uh, any number of societal uh, uh, beliefs where it was of interest of some of some party or some group of of of, of elites. Or, I think, but I think it's so interesting how and and you could apply this analysis to libertarians as well. I'm not trying to claim we're above it, but like I think there is a surprising amount of. Maybe it's, maybe it actually shouldn't be surprising at all, but that that basically almost everyone's political beliefs are ultimately relatively self motivating, and so for the same analysis you do to the left, I can do to libertarians. I'm a I'm a I'm an intelligent, rational man, and I'm like, well, society should be designed in a way that works well for intelligent, rational men. Right. You know, I, I'm I'm it's really frustrating that you are holding you know back people like me uh, to to you know, purportedly to help um, you know these 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 people who. Um, don't have the advantage yeah, yeah, of right, yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, okay, well, like, just let me, like, can I have an exception or something? Like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, there is, at least with that attitude, there is, uh, well, you'd be quite happy for everyone to just do what they want. Yeah. Whereas true. I think yes. from the other side, it's a bit more like, no, my this is the way you should do it. Like, I'm, I'm, I don't want to tell anyone how to live their life. I love it when they live a similar life to me, and I, I, I live by example whenever I can. Yeah. Um, but but um, and which is why I think probably New State Project is a is a good beacon of this kind of thing because it is people actually doing it yeah. well, and uh, openly. It, 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 absolutely, yeah, and I, well, that's part of why I do think it's important that we you know sort of own our own our beliefs, and by owning our beliefs, and then being good neighbors and being good community members and, and engaging, like we can't be, we should not be insular. Like it's great that we have our people, but it's also important that we don't be insular. We need to go out and engage, you know, with our neighbors and everyone around us. But I thought it was interesting, something you were saying, um, I was watching Titus's presentation um, about, you know, 
um, um, free cities and how, you know, he, he, how he talks about them and introduces the idea. And it was clear that he deals with this objection that's this sort of what I regard, what I now regard as like the essence of the left, um, which is, you know, but, but they're, why these, these challenging, these, cha- I mean, I don't think they're that challenging, but the questions he gets about, you know, like how, you know, won't this just be for, you know, the advantageous or like, um, um, you know, what about the people that they're, you know, leaving behind, um, when they go to these cities or, or, or whatever. And it's like, it, it, it is that if you're to leave, if you're, if you are to leave your society to go to some new city, it's an implicit, you know, kind of rejection of the status quo of where you are, which is the most kind of psychologically triggering thing to the person with that, the more egalitarian and left and, and leveling your impulses are because to you, you're like, how dare you, you know, we're all supposed to be the same here, right? We're all supposed to be at the same, you know, kind of level. And that's, that I've come to believe is the fundamental, you know, motivating impulse of leftism. It's why the environmentalists don't like Elon Musk, right? As another example of, of, of this stuff being, you know, fake, uh, because right. He's done, Who's done more than him? You know, very few people. You know, anyone. Yeah. And yet, there's so much, so so much animosity. Uh, He's uh, even creating him. a plan, a get-out plan as well. Yeah, Mars, right. or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So, like, how can you not love this guy? You know, if those are your well, point beliefs. in qu- point in question, uh, California. Yeah. Literally, people are moving away from California because of the way it's being governed. You know, like people are moving. I know this from celebrities to friends of mine who are now living in Texas or have moved to Austin or whoever, whatever. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a living example of voting with your feet. They're literally voting with their feet from a left-leaning authoritarian. I don't know what's your opinion on California, but I mean, I, you know, I'm an English person. I, I sit there and look at it from a long way away. In my view, every other state is left-leaning and authoritarian. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> What about Texas, though? A lot of people like places like uh, that, don't they? The, um, actually, in my view, uh, Texas actually gets a, 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 has an unfairly good reputation. I think Florida is legitimately um, um, a decent choice among the continuum of American states. Texas, I'd have much lower. Why is that, then? Uh, I mean, I, it's, it, I don't think it's actually that... Um, it's not... It's not that uh, in terms of the, the laws in a variety of, of areas. I just think they have a better reputation uh, than they deserve, whether that's uh, taxes or, or personal freedoms or you know, regulatory freedoms and you know, occupational, all kinds of things. I just don't think they're actually that good. They are the one state that often threatens to, to yeah, sort of like they, become independent. As they well. do. And I love, you know, and I, I, I love that. I know good libertarians in Texas. I know a lot of people who have, you know, ended up in Austin. And I'm not saying it's a bad place to be. I just think if you're, if you were actually trying to grade the states, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be that high. Okay. Then what about, this is another. Um, but I mean, everyone's fighting for second here at best. I mean, right. this, I mean we already, we already know who won the beauty pageant. Uh, <laughs> The, uh, this is another thing that, as an outsider looking into the libertarian movement, especially the American one, everyone says they're always infighting, always, no one can decide on anything. Is that a good characterization? <laughs> uh, uh, you know, there's, what's the name of the law? There's like, um, the, the less important something is, the more people fight over it. Uh, there's, a, there's, some, <laughs> there's, some, there's some law someone has. Sod's like law. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, I think that is. Yeah. Uh, and um, 
there's definitely look well first of all there's i think a natural we we see our in group and if if you notice I, any sort of sufficiently sized movement i've been a part of has its internal conflicts and i think that a lot of times we don't see the other side's internal conflicts and so we tend to think that like they're all they're working together you know why can't we but everyone kind of feels that way on the inside at times um i think i think on the whole both you know the libertarian party and free staters and so on are, are, you know, working together more than they're not. Um, I guess I'd maybe grade free staters a bit above the libertarian party, but like, but there's plenty of, there's, there's internal conflict at times. Um, that's just, it seems to be human nature. We should try to find ways to reduce it. In the case of the libertarian party, it does. I do think they could use some, um, structural reforms. Like I think part of it is they have a design where sort of the levers of the party itself, who controls it change every two years and there's you know so basically the control over all of those you know resources is effectively up for a vote um every two years and so uh that's in i think maybe incentivized in a sort of natural way um splitting into factions that are trying to like whip votes to ensure that their faction is now in control of these resources on the other side it's also kind of a fundamental problem of democracy, so uh, I don't I don't know exactly. I don't have a, I don't have uh, my list of reforms off the top of my head, but I think in terms of the Libertarian Party stuff, I do think some of it is like structural, and they could look for structural reforms. That's the other thing that actually turned up when I googled you. Have you just been kicked out of the new Free State Project? authority or something i don't know what, uh, yeah. what was that yeah there there was there's been some internal uh internal conflict um among the free state project board of of, of directors um, uh, wait a minute so the free state project board of directors what how does that it's just a private it's just a private organization it's just a group of it's just a group of five people uh that appoint each other so there's no they're set it's a it's an or the, the it's a legal entity that's separate so it's just a it's just a collective of what does it do? It just it runs the Free State Project website and the social media feeds, and it employs. Oh, right, okay. uh, it runs two events a year, Porkfest oh, Pork. and Liberty Forum, and it has one full time employee that's there to like help with. Uh, and you were on the board, and they voted you out. Uh, yes, that, that disagreeable that did, that did, by the looks of it. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I perhaps. Uh, I mean, I think that um, I was doing a certain style and, and presentation and marketing, mostly under my own name, um, that I think it's been very effective for our movement. I think a lot of people, quite frankly, wouldn't have heard of the movement if it wasn't for me or I played a, a role in, in helping uh, people become aware of it. It's natural if you know that you, especially if um, part of my style is at times to be you know, confrontational or um, aggressive, uh, it's a style like anyone who wants to be, and this is what frustrates me at times with some of my critics. It's like, if you would like to have the intellectual conversation, I will have it right. Mm -hmm. I, 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 I did a formal debate against Matt Kibbe at a, uh, uh, you know, very smart economist at Porkfest last year and I beat him. Okay. So if they want to bring facts, we can do the factual calm discussion, but he's, it's, but I've, he's I've been I've, on this podcast. I've, actually. I've emotionally triggered people because they don't like, some of the things that I do. And once someone is emotionally triggered, it's very difficult to bring them back into the realm of fact and reason. Does it make any difference to your connection with the Free State Project? Then? 
Uh, I mean, if if you look at the comments on on the video that they put out, I think the vast majority of people think that it was a bad decision. Um, I think I'm still 100% a supporter of the movement. I see it as a decision of two people. And so two people out of 10,000 aren't going to sour me on what we're doing. Um, Why don't you start an, an alternative? Some one? people are, are encouraging me to do that. Um, but, you know, there's we have exits and we have voice as well. And so, you know, um, I think like I think right now we're engaging in some, um, uh, you know, I would like it to be relatively delicate politicking. Like I don't I, I care a lot about the movement, you know, like I don't even love the fact that we're talking about this right now, honestly, um, because I don't I want to I, I think they've made a mistake, but I see them as still people who. Uh, you know, ultimately want the right thing. They just, it's like sometimes, sometimes people get emotional, they get angry or whatever. Like it's not, I don't, you know, so um, uh, that's, that's kind of how I look at it. It so. would make sense to, to create some um, competition in the market then, wouldn't it? Because then at least you know who, you know, you want a Coke right. and a Pepsi. A Pepsi. I mean, <laughs> do you? I mean, I'm not, maybe. It I always mean, happens though, doesn't it? You always get Canon and Nikon, Coke and Pepsi. Yeah, there's always, there's always a bit of competition. Um, you know, I would like, um, I would like us to be as united as we can against the people that I regard as our real enemies, you know, um, which are the people who want to increase the power of, of the state and the government in, in, in New Hampshire as we're trying to shrink it, you know? And so, I don't know, I, I'm, I, it's, I, I've had a number of people encourage me to do that and I, you know, I will consider it, but I would like to, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to race to do that either. I don't think. What do, so what, on a day-to-day basis then, what is your, what do you do? Uh, well, I didn't I'm, even ask you, but I, I think you, you've been in the tech world for a while. I am. Right? So I'm, um, I'm the CEO of library, um, um, which owns a website called Odyssey, uh, which many people, um, uh, use. It's, um, uh, it does, um, around like 30 million um, no, it does like, uh, it's, yeah, it's like 20 to 30 million web visitors, uh, each month. And, uh, it's a sort of web three, you know, video social sharing platform. Um, we ha- however, also had, um, some, uh, battles with our own government, uh, over that copyright service. Stuff, uh, you know, funnily enough, I thought copyright is what I would face a legal battle over, but no, we lost some, um, we lost a lawsuit with the U S government over, um, securities issues. Uh, uh to- yeah. you have, you got a token or something. That's right. Yeah. So uh, we had a, a a very long lawsuit with the SEC. It was a big, um, uh, it was a relatively big case in America. Uh, but that case is over, and it's likely that um, it's not one hundred percent clear what's going to happen. But there's a, a decent chance that that both of these entities will be. Um, well, we're kind of seeing out. I'm I'm seeing out uh, how all this is playing out. So then, with with some time in the very near future, um, we'll we'll see what happens with these things. But I mean, that's going to carry on. You, do, do most oh, yeah, people? Yeah, it's gonna, do yeah. most people at, in in New Hampshire have two, uh, you know, two jobs? There's the the libertarian side, and the or is any is anyone oh, apart from the politicians? I suppose. Uh, well, uh, I mean, even the politicians is um, it's actually mostly a part time job, yeah. um, and the you know the act like sort of the like the activism or evangelism that I do, it's just a part time thing that I that I you know do on top of you know on top of my work and everything else. All right. So okay, you you um, you're not thinking of moving into a well, like like Matt Kibbe you were talking about. Yeah, he's kind of got a media kind of personality career, isn't he? I mean, that's never been me. Like I've always been. I've done more of it in the last four or five years than I ever have in my life. But 
so um, I expect I'll probably continue to do some of it, but I've always been like a, a you know, I, my previous two things were tech entrepreneurship, you know, we're building tech companies. So stand up comedy. <laughs> well, <why not? laughs> I mean, just, should I start a, should I start a, uh, a tech company or become a stand up comic? I'm thinking I mean, life, life presents you so many choices. Bill Hicks. <laughs> Bill Hicks was a good, and a sort of like activist comedian, wasn't he? Really? I think there's more money in the tech company. Oh uh, yeah, probably. Um, so, all right, then moving forward then, let's say with Free State Project. Yeah. Do you, is it something you, apart from times like Porkfest and that, do you all get around, sit around and say that this is what, here's our plan, this is what we're going to do? You know? well, like, yes, but not all of us. It's because they're separate, you know, they're separate factions. So like the political people are, you know, getting together and they have their own, you know, they have their own, um, you know, structure. There's the, the, the free state project people who are focused on marketing, they're getting together and they have their own. And those groups will talk to each other, but they're not like being like, this is my plan. Is it okay with, you know, like, and occasionally that also means like they'll step on each other's toes and stuff, but uh, they generally people are friendly because there can be tension between say, um, and this probably caused at least some of the tension in our own movement, which is like, but how, how loud do you want to be about? And I'm not saying loud about, libertarian beliefs that might be like maximally offensive to, to, to common sensibilities, but more just like, I think it's, I'm a big believer that we should be proud that we're, you know, free staters. Like, I think my beliefs are that correct and, and morally right. And I'm, and I'm proud of them. I'm not ashamed of them. I'm not trying to like, you know, stuff someone in the face if they don't agree with me, but I'm not going to like, I'm not going to hide them, you know? Um, uh, but that's some, that's something that also there can be some, some disagreement on. What do you make of the free cities movement then at, that you can see here? So I think it's great. I think they're trying to um, thread a needle, but if enough people try, someone will eventually, and all it takes is one person to do it. And so I think if it can happen, it would be um, really tremendous. I think the fundamental challenge that they face is that everything that's, at least from my perspective, other people can disagree with this, but everything that's interesting to do in a free city is going to also be an existential threat to the free city. And I don't mean like vice crimes or things like that. I mean more things like whether you're doing interesting biotech stuff or interesting financial stuff or like, because to me it's that frontier, that space where you can innovate. Well, there's also a reason that sort of global net, you know, has, has, has swallowed the world. So all of a sudden, you know, you have someone doing, I don't know, like genomic editing in your, 100 person or your 1000 person, you know, startup city and there's billions of, now it's a, you know, hundred million dollar, billion dollar industry. And some, some either multinationals are getting upset or, you know, some governments or it becomes some ethical issue in the United States or, or who knows. And right. Like you it, mean a threat as in a threat from the state coming in and saying this, we've we got to stop this. Essentially. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But and don't you face the same problem in New Hampshire? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But I think because, um, and uh, like, I think we're much more, what grants us more safety, I guess, is that we're doing it uh, like very much in an, and an established, you know, way where there's a long history of, of, of these being sort of accepted means, you know, and, and I, obviously the free cities people are 
complying with international law and complying with the local law of their countries. I'm not trying to suggest that, that what they're doing isn't backed up by laws, but they're laws that haven't been, all this stuff is, it's just newer. And But no, I think we would see the same thing happen. I think if, and if New Hampshire ever say, and I, you know, it's funny as I look for these things and honestly haven't even been able to find them, but like, how do you unlock you know, it? Could you change a state law and all of a sudden, you know, unlock some industry that's been, you know, sort of forbidden across the rest of the, you know, arrest uh, across the rest of the U S because this is where the value is, right? Like this is where, whether, you know, um, futures markets, I think are a great go-to example. I mean, crypto is supposed to unlock some of this stuff. And in my view, it kind of failed, um, which was disappointing. I mean, it might still succeed, but it, it hasn't succeeded to the degree I thought it would a decade ago. And so, um, but there's all these areas where the government is, 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 you know, more various governments are holding us back. And so, um, there will therefore be a lot of value, copyright and innovation. I mean, we're about to go through it with AI, right? Hmm. So um, AI, I think it's decently likely, will end up regulated in, in a lot of uh, places or will get neutered for uh, political reasons or copyright reasons or who knows, right? And so we're about to have, um, in my view, what, what's a very exciting and promising uh, you know, technology and similar to other things, um, decently likely it's going to get neutered. Isn't, you know, isn't that uh, just another way I look at it is it's all because of the internet. Uh, the internet is destroying the middleman in so many old institutions and old businesses and old, you know, and it, you watch, you watched it happen with, you know, say like the music industry, then it happened, it's happening with money now. And presumably it's governance is next. And it's this explosion of information. And, I, you know, going back to what we first started talking about, it makes me think that libertarian ideas just didn't get circulated that much before. Whereas now you go on TikTok, you can hear someone say freedom. Yeah. You know, like, well, social media has definitely enabled us to sort of find our tribe mm. and, and the internet in general, although social media has accelerated it. I mean, our movement started that way. It started by people coming together online although it was pre-social media it was an email list but email list is like kind of the I've still yeah, got yeah, one yeah still my most powerful tool yeah um so um absolutely i mean that's um uh, i know that there was some talk about um uh, balaji srinivasan's ideas around the network state mm. and that's the same kind of idea you know you're coming together online um and i actually think our movement could backfill and take some of those ideas because we were some of that without the form, without some of the formal structure that, that, that he would propose. Um, and so, yeah, this is, this is that new, um, this is that new frontier, uh, but, and free cities have the potential to do that. Uh, but then again, but again, this really interesting, okay, so you have your free city and what happens if your free city says, well, we're not regulating AI. And then there's these, you know, or, well, you know, are you going to be, are you going to actually be allowed to do that? You know, it, it, uh, so. well, I mean, that's presumably there's a, there's a nat international version of that going to happen constantly. I mean, ha it's happened with copyright in Thailand. You can do whatever you want in America. You probably can't copy someone's DVD. Well, can you? Right. And so sometimes they'll play a containment strategy. So, but like if you win, to Thailand and said, I'm setting up um, everything flicks and for $10, you just get everything because I'm in Thailand and I'm not respecting copyright law. Like you would, you would get shut down. Can't right? you? Yeah, I think you can actually get that, can't you? Well, it's like places like the Pirate Bay and things like that. Sure, they, but, they, but they position themselves in certain countries, don't they? What they'll, they will at times take a quarantine strategy. I think the strategy that they've taken towards BitTorrent and cryptocurrency has been 
a quarantine strategy, which is we, we accept that the technology is sufficient that is sufficiently robust that we can't eliminate it from the internet, but we can take a containment strategy that says that, okay, only a couple percent of the sort of like smartest internet users will be comfortable using these tools. We will have, um, tabooed them, um, both through lawsuits and through sort of, uh, you know, press and the way that they're, they're talked about largely because of the lawsuits such that normal people feel that they're shady or I don't want to, or I'm uncomfortable, you know, even, uh, learning about them. And so, yeah, they can't be stopped, but they have, they have contained them. And so, but this is where it gets into Cause it's not, it's not a black or white outcome. When I say like, it's a, it's a very, it's a very complicated political challenge with wide swaths of, of possibilities. And so, you know, honestly, when I'd be looking at free city founders, I'd say like, is this the guy who's going to be able to navigate this? I think you need to have someone who's very politically savvy. Mm -hmm. Um, um, and I would actually want the city to like be retaining, there should be some mechanism by which like you need a pool of money for, 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 you know, for bribes, uh, or, or, or payments <laughs> or, you know, to navigate. And it's not even explicitly bribes, actually. I don't even mean like literally, I think in politics, it it's it's more frequently like over the table bribes where you're like I'd like to support your charity for kids in the city local politician you know um, or uh, you know I was telling uh, I was telling who was I talking to I don't even I don't even need to name them but I, but I was sharing the idea that like these free cities should like you know um, like get you know get celebrities get people out there like the more you can because popular support is also another form of of legitimacy. So you want to recognize, you know, you want to be befriending the the politicians and the powerful people who might threaten you. And you, you can also go, you know, popular and try to build legitimacy, um, you know, among the base, but that's what you're, if you're going to, these cities will, at least to me, the big opportunity is when they're unlocking the possibility to do things that can't be done. That's inherently going to be threatening to other established interests, power centers, whatever. And so how are you setting yourself up to be able to navigate and play that so that when that threat comes in response to the interesting thing that you've unlocked that you you know won't lose well i mean it's actually happening now and because we're a fledgling yes it's it's already started we we don't have the 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 use we don't have the examples yet but currently um prospera is being you know so it agreed to have this ZA, as they're called, this Zone of Economic Development. Um, it, it, its independence was granted by one government, let's say, and then the new government's far left, and they've said, no, illegitimate. However, it's wrapped up in legal, legality, and, and now the government's in court. Yeah. And, and, it, and I would say probably, because the government is, is using it as a political punchback, whereas the people at Prospera really want the city to happen. You know, so I would I would expect them to win because the legality is on their side. I mean, the government signed an agreement, an international agreement at that. So we'll we'll see. But but um, this is the point. It's like before I spoke to you earlier. I spoke to Joe Quirk. He's a seasteader. You know what seasteading is. Yeah, you're right. They have they've got a few example. You know, a few examples of what happens. Like you know, someone created a platform off the coast of Thailand, and the Thai army just came in and uh, pretty much stole it off them, even though it was legal. But that taught them that we need a flag, you know. You know, they they were just a completely nationless raft. Um, but but so every time one of these things happens, there's a new understanding, and it's like, okay, right, we need to do that. And I think, 
there are the, t- the factions who say, we just need to s- establish a place and just say, it's none of your business what we're doing here. But most people in the free cities movement are like, we need to make this something that governments understand that they want, which is exactly what happened in, in Honduras with Prospera and Morazan. The government get investment, they get tax, they get all these lovely things, yeah. which they, they actually really want. It's just the, 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 the big bugbear is the political spectrum. Because the the, le- the lefties don't really like this stuff. They don't like free markets. They don't. They, they, it's all neo-colonialism to them and stealing our land. Even though ninety-five percent of people at Prospero are Hondurans by law, they have to be. You can't. You can't just go ever. You know, the workers, people that do all the stuff, they work in the offices. Do you know? They're, they're all Central Americans. You know, it's like. But but yeah, I I, I agree with you. But I think it is a process. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, look, it depends on what you're trying to do. If you're just saying, like, I want some free city, but it's just like a bunker, like I'm trying to do Waco, Texas or something, like, yeah, you know, you might be able to get away with that, um, honestly. I'm not, it's probably not easy either, but it's it's more like when you're – what they want to build – what I think the more ambitious ones want to build is they want to build this this city that's a, a, a real city that's a meaningful player in, you know, international, uh, you know, commerce and international markets. And I think that's where um, it gets very complicated and very politically tricky. And and as you're saying, it's it it it's that way out of the gate. They haven't even done any of the, any of right? and already just the idea itself is tr- is triggering to that sort of uh, left psychology, right? Like, and that is real. You know, I will I, not to not that I like agree with it, but like they are actually like psychologically like wounded or offended by the by the idea of it like it, even if you were to say that the politicians are just pandering it's like well pandering to what they're pandering to a real psychological impulse that's actually there among a decent portion of the population right like that that it really does that they're really that there is a grievance there for at least some people this idea that you would attempt to build a city and and that with different rules, like you could have better ones. How dare you? And and that 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 impulse is is a powerful one. Hmm. I think what one of the better known strategies, as far as I can see, is that you you begin with a, a special economic zone, which there are thousands of them all around the world, and then as the reason there are thousands of them all around the world is because states and governments look at them and go, wow, this is this is a pretty good thing. And then stage two is, well, maybe we could have some people living on them. Why not? You know, like we've got all these businesses here. We've got, you know, we've got sort of Western legal systems happening in the Middle East. You know, that's weird enough already. Why? What, how about we build some apartments there? Because people want to live there as well. And I think that's, in my intuition, that's how it progresses to a point where I, it's a bit like people say the same thing about Bitcoin and, and Bitcoin adoption is by the time politicians are rooting for Bitcoin, there's all these personal incentives going on. You know, what, what politician is going to ban Bitcoin if he owns 20 Bitcoins himself, right. you know, or herself? Yeah, and and it is. I think it's a, a it's similar with the the free cities ideas, especially on on that end of the spectrum where people are thinking. You know, we we really would like independence because we've got this idea that we've got this way of governance that we really want to try out. Yeah, we may fail, but we just want to try it out. We want to be left alone to try it out. And I think it comes from everyone realizing that everyone's 
is a, is a net benefit to everyone, which is a very tricky thing to do, I know, because there's always going to be a grievance here and there. Um, but, but unfortunately, at the moment, it does seem to rest on the politics of the host government. That seems to be a pretty big factor, unfortunately. But there's no reason why your left-leaning utopia can't exist as well in the same, in the same way. Why not? I mean, you know, the free cities model is, is, is come one, come all. Let's do it. You know, like, you know. Isn't, isn't it interesting that there's just no demand for, uh, for the, for the socialists and the communists? Well, to you come know what? Someone said it yesterday <laughs> on a talk. It's like, imagine you create a free city with social security, right? Who's going to come except people that want the social security? <laughs> no one's going to come to pay it. You know, like no one's going to come to pay for, you know, and I mean, there probably will be some philanthropists and some people who really care and who will come and say, here's the money to pay for. But the most, if people heard, here's a free city where you get free this, free that, free that, well, everyone's right. going to come for which, the free shit. Which I mean. is, of course, also why, and they, they would never give you, give it to you in this words, but part of it is they recognize that this place is going to be more desirable to the kind of person who is helping their society function and they don't want you to leave because you you're paying the bill but like you say do they is that really a thought process or is it just a, a visceral I, kind of i don't think it's a logical no i don't that's what i'm saying and that's what i'm saying that i think that like there's this right because if you if they actually explicitly had that chain of thought they'd be like a psychopath right like that's <laughs> <laughs> But that, that, but I don't think they are. I don't think they are. I don't, I'm not saying that they are. I, I, I really think that uh, there's like, and again, because I can almost do the same thing to myself, where like we, we almost have this sort of like political reasoning, like benefit module that's almost because I have all of my arguments are great for what, but if I think about it, like, well, is it, is it better for me and people like me? Yeah, yeah, it is. But, like I say, I'll go back yeah, to yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, but you, you want the other people to coexist with you, don't you? But, but there, what's better for them and people like them is that I don't. That I. <laughs> so right, but, but there, so is a, there is a real big difference between. Um, I mean, but you could coexist with them just in a completely different physical space, yeah. couldn't you? And, and I mean, my, my, you know, having spoken to lots of people about this. I, I, my, my idea would be, yeah, lots of devolved small city-states, jurisdictions, all competing for your business, and you can have whatever you want. You can have, you know, leftist utopiaville, and and come on, you know, let's, let's let the market decide who goes to live there. Right. You know. Uh, but, well, look, and I love that vision myself, one hundred percent. But as you kind of hinted at, it's not clear that the you know would these would these left ones, uh, you know, be able to compete? I mean, that's true today, right? Like the, all the agitation for, you know, workers, cooperatives or worker-owned businesses or this kind of thing. It's like, well, they're not competitive in the marketplace. Like they exist, they're not competitive. And if workers wanted to own their businesses, they could, they they can save money and buy, you know, and buy stocks and, and invest in and do various things. Like workers aren't, you know, workers could get together and, and do that. You know, that it doesn't like there are reasons that this doesn't happen and the only way that you can force this kind of equality uh on a workplace is to basically make it illegal for the mm. more effective form of workplace to, to use violence exist. and at yeah. the end of the day use yeah. violence so yeah. but it's same kind of thing i mean so we can say 
Uh, and I, of course, yes, I love the idea that, uh, that, that left utopian cities uh, will be in the competitive in the marketplace. The same way I love the idea that worker-owned businesses will be competitive in the marketplace. In reality, will the, they actually be competitive in the marketplace? I mean, my guess is that mostly no. So does this thing never end then? That's the question. It doesn't end. According to you. No, I'm, just, I'm an, I'm, <laughs> no I don't think it does. You just got to find a way to enjoy the ride, I think. I don't know that it ends. I think it's human nature. Yeah, I, I would probably agree with you there. But there's two um, attitudes to that. One is nihilism and the other is what you just said, which is, well, you may as well make the most of what's happening. Yeah, and I don't mean things can't, can't get better. I think things do get better despite all of this. I think the world is better today than it was 100 years ago. I expect the world to be better in the future. I would like to play some small role in that process. And I think what everyone is doing with free cities and these attempts to create frontiers, I think they are making the world better. I think they're actually the small percentage of people that do that uh, because it's the kinds of people who are the creators, the inventors, the innovators. It just turns out that if you're that kind of person, you're not actually appreciated. Like people, <laughs> well, like that's just a lie. A people are happy to have the benefit, but they're still kind of mad that, that you could do it and they couldn't. I, I tell you what, I appreciate. <laughs> I've been walking around the, the conference yesterday just feeling really good. Oh, I love them. I have so much respect for, I mean, I, there are so many people out there that are way smarter than me. They're done so much and I have so much respect for what other people you know I have that mentality and the people here do and some people do it's the so, optimism yeah, here yeah, as well yeah, though. yeah there really is I don't know a single person who in that hall who isn't optimistic about the future that's a pretty that's in short supply these days yeah I'm, I'm actually very optimistic about the future that's why I said I'm a I, I some people think I'm a I'm a cynic but no I, I felt like I feel hey now I understand what's going on now we can find a way to do this that works within reality. You know, I don't want to be a dreamer, but I want to be someone, I want to have a positive future that I can be working towards and contributing towards. I actually think that's when humans are there at their happiest. When you have some sort of distant, you know, goal and you feel that you're making some progress towards that on a, on a regular basis. Um, I think that is like a very fulfilling, uh, a sort of psychological space. What's your, um, What's your end game then, you personally? What's your goal? What's not the big goal? Not the step, not the steps towards it. Uh, well, with New Hampshire, I mean, I wanna, I wanna get as close as we can to that sort of uh, as fully private property, you know, voluntary contractual, you know, kind of thing. Like, I would love to see New Hampshire, you know, ultimately becoming even city states, you know, separate with 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 separate rules. I mean, I, you know, I'm I'm sort of pushing for New Hampshire to become that that frontier uh, 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 space. And if some other, if some other place beats it, us to it, then, you know, maybe I'll, I'll pack up and, and move there. But, um, you know, New Hampshire to me is uh, a space where I can also be working on moving things in that direction. And I can still live a normal American life, which I like culturally, like I'm culturally American. I like American culture. Um, and, uh, you know, so I get to um, you know, I'm, I'm, um, you know, so I'm raising a family in a fairly, you know, normal, typical, um, you know, suburban, uh, environment. And, uh, uh, but I'm still, I have this, this larger thing that, that I'm, you know, part of and working towards. Just before we go, um, cause I've never been, 
what's Porkfest and, and what happens at Porkfest? Uh, so Porkfest is um, the longest running and uh, one of the largest, if not the largest, uh, libertarian uh, events in the world. It's about uh, 2,500 to 3,000 people in the White Mountains of New Hampshire uh, for six days. And it's uh, most people camp, although there's hotels, Airbnb, uh, and so on. Um, and probably about 20% of people will, will stay that way. And it's, um, it's a week-long, uh, very laid-back um, f- festival slash um, uh, partially a party, but there's speaking and a lot of serious stuff happening, uh, too. It's really something that you can make almost what, what you're interested in making it you know, into. Um, um, so there will be talks, workshops, classes, there's vendors, there's food, there's sports events, there's hiking trips. It's just a week long calendar of things that are uh, available to do. And it's this bottom up festival where anyone can put anything on the schedule. So there is a main venue, um, that can hold about 500 to a thousand people. And, and so for really large events that will be used, but otherwise a bunch of the things are just like little mini, you know, workshops, people will take their um, sites and turn them into venues themselves. So some people will get two sites, fill it up with chairs and, and you know, use it um, that way. So also if you're a sponsor, if you're selling something, um, I've heard some people say it's like Burning Man, but with way more capitalism because it's completely everything is bought and, and, uh, and sold and, you know, that, that people are very comfortable um, with that. There'll be, you know, kids walking around with wagons, you know, trying to sell Sounds you candy good. and sell you food. And, that was going to be uh, one of my questions. Yeah. I've got, do many Europeans go and do many families go? Yes. Uh, there's an, uh, so there's the, it's a nice, I think Porkfest is a nice chance to practice, uh, our own sort of libertarian society rules. So we have like a, there's a family zone at the Northeast, the Southwest, it's a large, it's a large space. Again, there's, it's a very large space. Then the Southwest zone is like a, a red light district that's zoned. So kids aren't supposed to go in there without, you know, without parents. And so, you know, that's the, that's the area of the campground that, that, uh, is anything goes uh yeah yeah new kind of well even i wonder if it's yeah there's probably still some rules but there's you know that's that's the space for for the kinds of things that would be not kid friendly the rest of the campsite is supposed to be kids can can uh, walk around and then there's like earlier quiet hours and a playground and stuff in the in the like northeast zone of the of the campground so i've i go with my four kids um i think it's great every time uh, there's a lot of kids there there's hundreds of kids there there's a full kid zone a kid track uh, yeah, I would guess that there's easily there's a lot of families in the free state movement um, generally. So I would say several, easily several hundred kids at at Porkfest, um, and it's a great time um, uh, both for adults and for and for the kids. My kids are um, every time they go, I feel like they're like pushing their you know limits and developing in like a healthy you know positive way. What time of the year? It's the last week in June every right, year. So good weather. Yeah. Yeah, and so it's a it's a it's a really fun time. I would recommend um, getting tickets as 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 soon as possible because it is something. Particularly, the campsites um, will fill up, sell out. Yeah, we'll sell really. Out. Yeah, ah, we're actually that's what limits capacity is. Uh, the campgrounds themselves are we're kind of straining their capacity, uh, so we're trying to figure out ways to continue to grow the event. I mean, like we're we've already been trucking in porta potties. We're starting to truck in water trucks, so we're like we're stressing the limits of the campgrounds in in numbers. Well, I I only heard about it last year for the first time. Yeah, I thought it was a 
a festival of bacon or something. It sounds like it. Well, you get a lot of things like that in America, yep. don't you? Yeah. Uh, there is a, there is a pig. There is, um, uh, I believe, um, one of the local farms uh, brings some whole pigs, and they do they do do a a roast of a full pig uh, at Pork Fest, but it is not named after pigs. Yeah. Right. Well, Porcu- Jeremy, Porcupine thank- Festival. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming in. Um, it's um, yeah. I really I don't want to get over there. Obviously, we, I mean, part of our remit here is to sort of you know go and visit in person these kind of projects as best we can. But I, I think being at the festival would be a brilliant time to go. And- it's yeah, it's one of the best times to come. Although I encourage you anyone um, who's interested you can come out almost any time of year, and there's stuff going on. So Porkfest is a great time to target. But you can come out any time. And also, if people want to, you know, if you if you're coming to Porkfest, you know, you can also stay. A couple of days on either side and check out there's you know the local community centers the how clubhouses how do you get into it though like if say i came at a completely random time of the year how do you what's the in into the, the sort of the libertarian world uh, so you there's you can go to fsp.org slash visit and we have um uh, we have a staff member who will uh work with you and and, and help introduce you Free staters are also like kind of like libertarian Mormons. We're like very happy. You give us a chance to evangelize, and we're like, you know, like oh yes, please, you know, I'd like to. So, um, uh, so uh, you know, anyone can reach out to me personally. But literally, if you hear that someone's a free stater and you express an interest in New Hampshire, they're like, well, we want to talk to you. You know, yeah. <laughs> so, so, uh, so it's um, it just uh, like so. Anyone's welcome to reach out to me personally. But uh, the Free State Project employs someone fsp.org/visit, and she'll work with you. Brilliant. All right. Well, thanks for coming. Hope you've enjoyed your little t- dipping your toes into the free cities world. Yeah, um, it's been awesome. It's all part of the grand. It's all part of the life's rich tapestry. That's what I think. All of these different projects. And and thanks for coming on the show. Thanks. Mm-hmm.